Game week has finally arrived in the Palmetto State. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co. And today, dressed by our friends at Britain's in Columbia. You can see all of our shirts. Phil and I look very similar to what Shane Beamer looked like yesterday on the Shane Beamer Show. We're not him. But we get a chance to dress like him, thanks to Perry and his fine family at Britain's. And if you have not ever put on one of these shirts, I'm going to tell you right now, it is the most comfortable shirt I've ever worn in my entire life. I don't even know that I'm wearing a shirt. That's how comfortable it is. So uh, thanks so much to those guys. And we uh, we really appreciate their partnership and friendship. And if you are going to be in Columbia or are in Columbia and have not gone over and treated yourself yet at Britain's of Columbia, you need to do it. Britainsofcolumbia.com. JC, JB, and Phil, we are here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Make sure you've downloaded the Chief Sports app. Of course, that is where you can find our programming every day via video or audio, of course. And... Um, it's finally arrived, and this week, a much uh, many of us are going to be making our way, of course, up to Charlotte for South Carolina and North Carolina. John Whittle will be here. Pat DeMarco will be here today uh, to begin to preview this ball game, guys. Um, it, it's 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 Christmas for all of us college football fans. We got a taste of it this weekend, but uh, we're going to get the full plate coming up, really beginning Thursday with a couple of big games on Thursday night but certainly on Saturday for our Gamecocks. Can't wait for Thursday night. Uh, Florida-Utah uh, is going to be an interesting game, uh, I think, especially for Gamecock fans. The Gators are on the schedule every year. Uh, well, they have been. They won't be next year. But uh, I always I always like to track the progress of Florida because they change coaches so much. It's a, it's a rite of passage almost every three years. How are their first and second year coaches going to do? Uh, a lot of times in the second year, they, they end up being pretty good. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens. Looking at their roster, I would think it would be a down year. But uh, you never know. Utah's got some quarterback issues, so <clears throat> here we go. But you don't just walk into Rice-Eccles Stadium, by God, 
in Salt Lake mm-hmm. City, Utah, and come out with think you're just going to come out with a W. Go, mm-hmm. you, you know, the Utes, they have something to say about that. Uh, Jamie's right about the shirt. Uh, he, you may think he was exaggerating. He's not. I've got mine on today, and I, I feel very comfortable and light and perky. <laughs> uh, so does Phil. I have what's called the tailgater. They have the cocky or something. So, uh, uh, again, thanks to Perry for all of that. Uh, but, you know, guys, thinking about this game this weekend, it's a, it's a big game for South Carolina. The, the more I actually sit down and think about the ball game, the, the more I think, you know, people are overlooking some of South Carolina's advantages uh, on paper. Uh, games aren't, aren't played on paper. We all know that. But South Carolina has some real advantages in, in this game that could be problematic for the Tar Heels that nobody's really talking about. They're just talking about Drake May, like he assuming, you know, he's going to go out and play great, and he probably will. I mean, you know, it's, it's a big game, big stage for him. He's an excellent quarterback. But the Gamecocks has some things that uh, maybe we don't know if the Tar Heels do or not. And so uh, that's kind of my early look at it is – you know, Vegas has had a hard time figuring out Shane Beamer's teams anyway. Uh, I'm yeah. not paying a bit of attention to the line. Uh, you know, I think the Gamecocks have a, a good opportunity to go uh, get a really solid opening win on Saturday night. Yeah, Phil, I do too, man. I, I think that um, this is an opportunity that South Carolina uh, – I, I guess it's hard to believe that they're under the radar – but I feel like they are, you know, like there's Phil, it's, it's kind of been an awkward push towards the start of the season. When you listen to the, the outside world talk about South Carolina, they, they want to tell everybody that they're being underhyped, but yet none of them believe that they can beat North Carolina for whatever that reason that is. But yet they want to go back and tell you, that when Spencer Rattler plays the way that he did against Tennessee and plays the way he did against Clemson, that they can beat anybody. But yet they still can't beat North Carolina, according to all these experts. I I don't understand it. I'm not saying that they will beat North Carolina. None of us know until they play the game, Phil. But it, it really has been kind of an awkward conversation when you listen to a lot of the the national talking heads they they predicted Shane's team is under the radar and they're going to sneak up on somebody and they have a chance to finish third and could they be knocking on the door of the SEC East well how are you going to knock on the door of the SEC East if you can't beat North Carolina it, it hasn't made a lot of sense in listening to a lot of the national pundits no it's I don't know it's I, I get this like Iowa vibe off of this North Carolina team and that here we got this big name quarterback and, and, you know, we're going to do huge things and everyone loves big name quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, that's, what's going to, you know, vault them into winning all these games this year. Oh yeah. Spencer Rattler is on the other side. And yeah. we know what we got there because he was just mediocre and pedestrian last year, except for those last two games. And, you know, well, the three, you know, cause he had a good game versus Notre Dame. Um, you know, and I guess they're doing their due diligence and avoiding recency bias when it comes to him. But what, there's a new offensive coordinator in town. So why would you think that some of that pedestrian play would come into factor for him as much as it seems to be? And that's the only thing I can think of is that there's questions on the offensive line. Yes, uh, it's going to be reworked for sure, but it's not like you're lacking talent there or depth. 
I mean, right. you're talking about guys who've started games on the line being second team. Yep. And with that coming out, you got to think there's got to be at least average line play. And then you've got a Spencer Rattler who, if used correctly and schemed up for, can overperform. It's just, well, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I get it. North Carolina competed against, well, they didn't compete, but they played against Clemson in the ACC national in the ACC championship last year. But my God, it's the ACC. Yeah, I, you know, and, <laughs> and here's the thing. Yeah, you know, you're soft until you're not. <laughs> right, and and you 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 bring up Dowell too, and and let's make a point here. Let me ask both of you a question here. It's a hypothetical question, clearly, but I think I know your, your answers. If Dowell Longins, who called plays in the NFL for ten for uh, what ten years, somewhere around there, right? Yeah. Okay. If 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 Dowell Longins took the OC job at um, Georgia, Bama, what do you think? You think he'd be getting some? Some publicity in the offseason? Bet you he would. I bet you'd be pretty. Oh, they added a guy who called plays for a decade in the NFL. Oh, man. Watch out. Watch out. Nobody, to your point, there, there's there's one name that continues to come up at South Carolina, and that's Spencer Rattler. That's it. Okay. They don't talk about anybody else. I mean, there's been some guys here and there. You know, if you want to cut on the SEC network, I'm a fan of, of a lot of the guys on that network. A lot of those guys have done their homework. Um, but, you know, when they, when you, when you talk about the rest of the country, it's Spencer Rattler has been inconsistent. If he can be consistent, South Carolina can contend for the SEC East. Oh, but by the way, they can't beat North Carolina, and we have no idea who's calling the plays for them. So it's it's kind of been a strange build-up to the season from the outside world leading in. I think, though, JC, that's a lot of what is actually fueling that locker room. I don't think you're going to hear them say any of that, but we've we've figured out for the last couple of years, if you didn't know Shane before, you've gotten to know him now. He does keep receipts. His staff keeps receipts, and his players keep receipts. They just don't go out and talk about it until it's time to, you know, prove that they actually have them in their pocket somewhere. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, um, look, here's the bottom line. How, how much better is North Carolina's secondary going to be than Tennessee's was last year? Not better. Not even close. I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee was a below average SEC secondary. They didn't always get lit up like they did against Carolina, but they – they were not what you would call good, despite having some names back there. Well, North Carolina lost a bunch of guys back there, mm-hmm. and they couldn't stop anybody to start with. They got some kids from the portal. Some of them are hurt. Some of them are out. Uh, what kind of advantage does South Carolina have throwing the ball down the field with Rattler and these receivers and tight ends? Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, line of scrimmage, you know, North Carolina, and I know this for a fact because of, some things that they tried to work in the portal behind the scenes with, you know, around the country, uh, they need out there. They've got questions up front on offense too. Uh, you know, it's not, this is not a settled offensive line. It's not an offensive line that you look at and you go, man, they're going to be a top five in the ACC this year. There's a lot of question marks. Um, they do have a lot of good running backs. If Tez Walker is not, Healthy, uh, you know, I don't know that their receiver core even is close to South Carolina's. Uh, I think the Gamecocks have a tremendous advantage in special teams. I think 
with turnovers, that that's that could be the the key of the game. You know, the Gamecocks go yep. out there and turn it over and don't get any. Tar Heels could, you know, definitely stay in it and win the game. Maybe by a couple of touchdowns if the Gamecocks are fumbleitis. That was not me. Yeah, it was me. I, I'm not moving anything <laughs> but my mouth at this point, but uh, on purpose. So, so don't make any noise. Uh, it's game week. I got to tighten up. But uh, you know, if not, if the Gamecocks do their normal thing and get turnovers and they're scoring touchdowns in ways other than offense, I, I just I don't see where North Carolina's the favorite. Nothing against Mac Brown and Gene Chizik and and, and those guys. I mean, uh, they're great, good coaches. They should be better than they have been, uh, honestly. And that's that's for for forever. That program really should be a lot better than it is, but. It's not, and, um, you know, Carolina's got a good secondary. Uh, people, you know, people want to talk about the new corners and all. And Look, you, you have two top three-round draft picks you lose. Yeah, you're probably going to take a small step back. But O'Donnell Fortune and Marcellus Dial are really good players, and, and the step back isn't going to be that dramatic. And then you've got two guys – uh, they were probably the freshmen, both freshmen All Americans last year at safety, by the way, in their second year. And you got veterans at nickel. You know, you play five at a time. That's a good matchup against this defense. The only, you know, I have, I have concerns. You know, I have concerns the Gamecocks sure. won't be able to stop the run. I have concerns the Gamecocks uh, that, that with Chip Lindsey now uh, as their OC, they're gonna, they can get, he's from the Malzahn tree. He's going to run some Gus Bus stuff. You know, they start running. Zone read and the Gamecocks get bounced out of boxes and stuff. I mean, British Brooks, one of their running backs, had one of the only big plays uh, against the Gamecocks in the Mayo Bowl. I mean, that's how fast he is. Omari Hampton is a dynamic talent. Petway is a dynamic talent. It's probably their deepest group. Yeah, basically. their running backs running back. are really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe they, maybe they're, maybe they, maybe we're sitting there thinking Drake May is going to try to chuck it all over the yard against the Gamecocks, and but maybe they're sitting there thinking, hey, we're going to chew them up on the ground. Uh, well, and, and that, that's the other thing that court. I don't understand about all this. Like, they have a new offensive coordinator as well, and Chip Lindsey, and, and you know, nobody out there. I'm sure maybe we'll hear something coming up on Saturday on game day. I don't know, uh, but but nobody has had that discussion out there of in the all. You'd think that would be an off season talking point, right? Like both of these programs have new offensive coordinators which one is going to fit best in their new role? I don't know the answer, but I'm just saying nobody's even discussed it. It's like, <laughs> it's like if, if, it, if it doesn't have anything to do with Drake May or it doesn't have anything to do with whether Spencer Rattler is going to have a good game or not, they don't want to talk about it. Nobody does. Yeah. It's, it's, a ba- it's been a really baffling buildup to me. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward yep. to the game, really, for both programs to, to actually go up. I think it's going to be a really good game. Well, so Dow- you know. Dowell Loggins is an unknown, and, and I found the media gravitates towards names and knowns, especially during the offseason. That's pretty sound to do. Nobody's really come to Columbia and talked to Dowell Loggins. Nobody's really dug into, like, uh, who is this new guy at South Carolina because nobody thinks South Carolina's going to make much of a move this year. Uh, and – you also have to think about the fact that the Gamecocks, you know, last year at the end of last season, nobody on the national level was sitting there going, ah, well, they made a little switch on at OC or, or because they, they technically did not. They, they, they got involved. More people got involved and sort of, right. You know, put the reins on, 
But that's not a national talking point for all they think is, oh, my God, Marcus Satterfield lit it up those last two games and then went on to the greener pastures in Nebraska with Matt Rule. And, you know, then they hired the tight ends coach from Arkansas. Correct. You know, because yeah. there's nothing in Dowell Loggins history on the college level that you could point to. Uh, and I get it. I get it. That's probably good because, I, I, I mean, I'm probably sitting there thinking that Gene Chiswick and those guys probably are, are, are kind of kicking back going, they're either worried as hell because they don't know what's coming or they're, they're just kicking back. Going, ah, it's just a pro style offense, whatever. Good. Let them think that I'm thinking, <laughs> I mean, all they want, uh, but that's, uh, but that's the deal there. It, 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 it's, 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 it's a deal there. And uh, I just think the more I look at it, the more I think the Gamecocks do have some advantages. Uh, do I think Carolina's going to blow them out? Probably not just given the history of this game and the Charlotte games in general. But uh, I do think there's some, you know, real advantages nobody's talking about, just like you said. And it starts and happy, happy, happy. I completely disagree wide receivers are pushed with these two teams. When you look at uh, who the Gamecocks have and look at who the Tar Heels have. There's, there's no planet where I think that's a push. I think now, Carolinas are better. Much better, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, And y'all know who I mean by Carolina. Yeah, we all know who Carolina. So that's that's what I expect. You know, I, I I think the Gamecocks will try to run the football and hopefully can control the line of scrimmage and do that. But I also think you're going to see them attack the Tar Heel defense. And, you know, for a defense like they have with new guys back there trying to get gelled, one that also struggled tremendously against the pass last year, uh, you know, you get, a, you, you get them down, shoulders start slumping, here we go again, all the rah-rah of all the off-seasons pretty much done. Now, there are other scenarios, you know, maybe all those highly rated D linemen for North Carolina start playing them to their potential and it's a long night, but uh, I think the likely scenario is the Gamecocks uh, attack, attack, attack. And uh, Hey, here it is. Stop it. Yeah. It's uh it's Phil. Certainly as it appears at this point right now, uh, two teams that feel very, I don't know if fragile is the right word or not, but going into game one, there are a lot of unknowns. And there are things that you feel like you have a little bit of a a little bit of a feel for, but they have to go right in order for you to be proven correct. You know, you, I, I think if you wanted to go position by position here, Phil, North Carolina is the clear favorite in the running back room. I think if you go by quarterback you're, you're going to give an edge to to North Carolina at the quarterback position I think those two things alone are something that a lot of folks will look at and say that is a difference maker when two teams that seem to be on an even playing field are going up against each other but I do think that South Carolina is better on the wide receiver side of things I think offensive line is ve- probably very similar for both to be quite frank uh, just based on what we know and then defensively uh, I, I don't care how talented some of the guys are that have been recruited over there. South Carolina's secondary is clearly better. Their linebackers are clearly better, and up front they're clearly better, or at least they are th- th- based on what we know. So there's just a lot of offsetting stuff here. The one thing I didn't mention is special teams, and we know who that favors. It favors the Gamecocks over literally everybody on their schedule and beyond. So, uh, you know, I, I can I can see it. I can understand it. Um, and we just have to – hope that when you play in a game the first game of the season against a team that is pretty comparable you don't make a bunch of mistakes 
and that can't happen in week one, especially when you're not at home. Yeah, I mean, you just have to play confidently and make sure you limit turnovers and any other errors. Like you, you can, the I think the biggest threat for Carolina going into this game is shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. You know, stupid penalties. You know, things that don't even have you know, like even pre-snap things. You know, just stuff like that. It's not you're not going into a raucous you know, away environment playing a, a conference game here. So crowd noise shouldn't be that big an issue <laughs> if it were, if you were playing in some, you know, enemy SEC stadium. Uh, but you've got to be sound fundamentally. And and then the good things will happen. It was just like, it's one of those things where you just have to, you have to do, you have to practice or you have to play like you've practiced. So you've been practicing all these fundamentals, this, you know, ball control, uh, you know, limiting turnovers, things of that nature. And you just have to implement it against a different color jersey at this point. Um, I think it's you know a heck of a lot better draw than if it were if you open the season up with you say you know i don't know georgia bama somebody yeah. like that so just be smart protect the football and i think good things are going to happen it could be quite the barometer game for south carolina the uh, thought is if the gamecocks can get through north carolina coming up on saturday evening that they'll be 2-0 and heading to athens and guess what they might be joined by College Game Day again if that's the case. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that, uh, which, by the way, would just be an outstanding start to the year three. You're talking about getting them on the radar. Shane Beamer has them on the radar. They are as much on the radar right now from a publicity standpoint is any program in the country, if you can believe that or not. They're going to be on the Saturday night game. They got College Game Day that's going to be there. They're already at CB on CBS at 3.30, coming up two weeks after that in Athens against the number one team in the country. There is nobody, guys, nobody. Not LSU or Florida State either, even though, even though they've got their big game coming up on Sunday night. There's nobody that has as big of an opportunity to make a statement than the Gamecocks. Isn't that crazy? Nobody in college football can make a statement bigger than they can make one in the first three weeks of the season because of the spotlight, because of the stage, and because of the opportunity that they have, which is really, really incredible. I wouldn't stop at the first I think first five. Sure. Yeah. You I want mean, to include if, Tennessee? If, no, if, I'm just yeah. talking about the knowns that we have. With oh, yeah. As, as, as far as TV and yeah. stuff goes, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you don't – I don't – I mean, two of the first three weeks, you got game day, ABC primetime in Charlotte, right? Then you roll and, and, you know, you got Furman. And that's that's another awesome home opener at night, which I think I'm glad is becoming a tradition around here because opening at home at noon stinks to high heavens. <laughs> uh, did that, I think, in 18 uh, when um, Coastal came in. Um and and then you know you got the CBS game of the week, which is always special. I think that's probably the first time. Is it the first time Carolina's been the SEC game of the week on CBS since eighteen Georgia? I don't think Beamer's been on CBS yet. No, he hasn't. Um, I think I think it's. It. I, I can't be right. Is that right? 
You got to yeah. be kidding me. 18, 18, Georgia. Georgia. Was 19 not CBS? No. No, there was no. 19 was a 19 was, e- was ESPN. Yeah, that's right. ESPN noon kickoff. Yeah. So, yeah, 18, Georgia in Columbia. Mm. Um, that's that's incredible. It's the last time. So, uh, here in five years later, they're back on CBS. So, uh, we'll see sort of what happens. But, um, you know, I, I I think it is a tremendous challenge. I think getting off to a fast start is paramount this year because your schedule's front loaded, uh, and you don't want to get into a hole. Um, I think you can get through. To, if you can get to November and you're sitting there at like something in two, uh, this team could really have a a, a big old record at, at the end of the year because you, you end with four straight home games, right? Uh, and Jacksonville State and Vandy are two of them. By the way. I don't know Whoa. about that Vandy Vandy Bowl prediction. Yeah, I don't now, know about I, that. I, I, I don't want to overreact after one game. It's I mean, it's an opener. Those Hawaii kids played their tails off. Fair, uh, I thought, but, but it it was not pretty. But uh, that was that yeah, was that was not good. Vandy, Jack State, Kentucky, Clemson. I mean, that's that's very manageable. And so, you know, I, I don't think you want to fall into a two and three hole or a one and four hole, uh, which could happen. I mean, look, Tennessee. Georgia, Mississippi State, North Carolina, they're all capable of beating the Gamecocks. Um, and, and to some extent, vice versa. You know, I I, I want to I want to at least see Georgia play somebody before I, you know, completely crown them. But uh, I do think they'll be quite good. But so, you know, you start th- talking about a nice start in November for this team. I mean, anything could happen because uh, you, you got it right there lined up. You got a top 25 non-conference. You've got a blue-collar, tough uh, – SEC cross division opponent coming to Columbia and Mississippi State that thinks they're going to beat you. They're not scared of coming to see you. No. Uh, they've got this as a win, you know. Uh, you got Georgia and you got at Tennessee, the top two teams predicted in the SEC East on the road in two places that are very tough to win. So you get through this with a nice record, look out, you know, it, and you got to look at it as an opportunity. You can't look at it as, oh, woe is me. You got to look at it as an opportunity. They certainly have that. There's no doubt. We're going to take this opportunity to hit a timeout when we return. John Whittle with the Big Spur. He'll be here to give us his thoughts on the upcoming ball game as well. And then Pat DeMarco will follow in talking ball with the former great – well, he'll always be a great Gamecock, but the former, uh, former Gamecock in a decade's worth of NFL experience. Probably some pretty good stuff to have around when you're preparing for a game with two elite quarterbacks that will play in the NFL. We are built by the Barndo Co. and always live from the Signorama Studios. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. You'll see their work as you always do the following Saturday night when Furman walks into Williams-Brice Stadium in the Gamecocks. By that time, hopefully you're looking to go 2-0. John Whittle, up next. Hang tight. We're dressed today by Britons of Columbia, and we'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. (laughs) 
Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. He wants well, we saw at the beginning classes. Yeah, I think he wants the outside world to just continue to focus on uh on Drake May. Real quick before we get to John here, let me pass this along. This is pretty cool. And um if you take a good look, if you have eyes that work and you see mine or Phil's shirt or you see JC JC's shoulders and you just like from the shoulders up. Um if you call Perry and the gang at Britain's in Columbia, 803-771-2700, and tell them your size, he'll send it to you. He'll put it in the mail. He'll send it to you. UPS, guess what? He, he will not charge you shipping either. It's pretty cool uh, because uh, nobody does that anymore. <laughs> shipping uh, costs uh, suck. Yeah, free shipping. Yeah, and then yeah. somebody asked about <laughs> online. This is the great thing about Britain's. They don't, or, or one, of the, one of the things about Britain's that makes it unique. Uh, they don't do online. Uh, they just, uh, you can call over the phone and order, or you can uh, come in and you get yep. that personal service. Man, I got a pair of pants uh, that I'm not modeling today. Yes, but, um, but you're not wearing pants today? It's debatable whether I have pants on or not. No one will ever know. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, they're the best fitting pair of pants I've ever had. That's my second pair of pants from Britain's all time. I got some 10 years ago. Fit great. This time they fit great. Uh, got a belt that's hand woven uh, with a script Carolina on it. And I got the best daggone pair of shoes I think I've ever had. Uh, they're, they're leather. 
Nice with the Gamecock insignia on them. I call them my bougie shoes. Oh, yeah. So, and Phil's got some too. So, oh, yeah. And, yeah. I got the bougie and, shoes. And Bradford's getting some soon. So, but look, man, I, Britain's a Columbia man. Just uh, check it out. You get that personal service. And it's always good when you want your, your stuff to fit right. No doubt. Yeah, I've got more good news. I just had my new tailgate girl delivered at the front door. So, I am. This is going to be a damn good day. Now that hurricane's going to hit and it's going to tear all my stuff up, can't wait. All right, John, we've kept you silent long enough. Everybody's here because you are. They really want to hear your thoughts above ours. It's game week. What's up? I'm just – thank you for, for the pause because I'm still trying to, to decipher what I'm seeing seeing here in the bottom left corner of my screen. I see I see Jamie with no hat, no, no facial hair. <laughs> uh, it just, it's, this is a different look for me. Well, you know, I, uh, I, well, it, all that stuff didn't go well with the shirt. So I thought, let's ditch the hat, trim the beard, and uh, let's get serious, man. It's time to play ball. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Hey, John, John, I got something you'll like. Yeah. Look okay. what Perry, look what Perry gave me from Britain's. Can you see that? Oh, sorry. That's the screen. How about this? This is their barbecue sauce, the Why Not Us barbecue sauce. I love it. Yeah, they say that you should try it on Bulldogs, Commodores, Wildcats, Tigers, Vols, Gators, and Aggies. <laughs> I wonder what barbecue Aggie tastes like. But they say, you know what they say? Caution, it's not best on poultry. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Clever. Uh, but yeah, they gave me a, a jar of bar- barbecue sauce. Coach's limited edition barbecue sauce. The yellow uh, mustard based, of course. So I'm looking forward to using this probably for the firming game, I would imagine. Yeah. You don't need that tailgate, right, JC? Definitely got uh got got a bottle myself and um ready to enjoy it. Ready to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right, John. Um here we go. We're we've been talking about, you know, a lot of the offseason conversation really centers around Drake May and uh in North Carolina. He's he's uh, depending on who you ask, maybe the top pick in next year's draft. Who knows? Maybe he's the best quarterback in the country over the guy that won the Heisman last year. Who knows? I don't know. And then when you ask someone about Spencer Rattler, it generally revolves around, well, it just depends on which type of Spencer Rattler shows up. But I can't say that that's a necessarily wrong thing to say. It's been proven correct, really. Um, But your thoughts on the hype around this game going into it? Yeah, love it. I mean, I love the hype around it. Uh, I, I do think Spencer probably um, deserves a little bit more credit than than maybe maybe what he's getting from from some out there. You know, he did finish the season strong, but you're right in that he was very inconsistent a lot uh, over the first what three quarters of the season. So you know, I I, I understand that conversation, but you know, this is year two. Uh, for him at South Carolina, he's he's been through it now. Now it is a new offensive coordinator, but certainly seems like he's fitting with Dowell Loggins much much better than than Marcus Satterfield. So you know, I, I do anticipate uh, Spencer having a much more consistent type of season this year, and and look forward to seeing what what he's got uh, out there here in in what five six days. Hey, expand on that a little bit, John. What have you heard there? The relationship between Dowell and Spencer. 
Yeah, I mean, Spencer came out and said it. Like he 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 gets it better. You know, he he, he fits better. You know, he he said it in his his press conference what ten days ago now, almost almost two weeks that he just he he feels better and more comfortable in in this offense, and it, he he feels like it fits the system fits him a, a, a little bit better than last year. So. Um, you know, I mean, that was that was a point that that he brought up, and and uh, I wish I'd been in that room that day to to get him to expand on it a little bit and why why that is. But you know, I, he feels good. The the results have been good by by all accounts, uh, both publicly and privately coming coming out of practice. You know, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's in a good spot going into this year. John Spencer, when you go back and look at his stats. Ever, he has seven games in his entire career, seven, where he completed under sixty-three percent of his passes in a ball game. That's it, seven, and four of those seven uh, were were last year under uh, Marcus Satterfield. So historically, he's been very accurate, and I think one of the things that I'm really excited to see is an NFL style offense that generally brings accuracy with it. Right, because you're talking about uh, you're talking about uh, high percentage type throws because they're wanting to find playmakers and one on one opportunities. That's what the NFL is all about. It's about matchups, and I think that is one of the things that I'm really most most excited to see this year is this system that will design itself for Rattler to be able to get the ball into his playmakers' hands and then see what they can do from there. It was. Supposed to be like that last year, but it seemed like a lot of those balls never really crossed the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I, I think part of the reason last year uh, that things were so difficult was just because it was too complicated for everybody. Um, but but this year it, it seems much more simplified, and that was a goal this offseason to to uh, to to narrow, not necessarily narrow down. Uh, everything and make it too simplistic, but but to make things a little bit easier in terms of play calls and personnel groupings and so forth. So I, I do think that, that that is going to help everybody. But Spencer's also got a veteran group of receivers that he's worked with for for a couple of years now, um, and and I, I feel really good and about that uh, that group of receivers. And then you throw in Josh Simon and, and Trey Knox, and and he's got weapons out there. So. You know, I think a lot of this will come down to the offensive line, which we it feels like we're it, that's a broken record not only this year but but in previous seasons. But I I do feel pretty good about those guys going into this year as well. Um, when you look at the North Carolina running back group, John, it's probably the deepest group they have overall on the team, both sides of the ball, including special teams. And then you look at South Carolina's defensive side, and you're really you're really hoping to see a major step forward up front this year. But also, I'm talking about from the defensive line. But also, you're look you're talking about a linebacking core that they finally feel like they've got some real depth. Shane has said that publicly. They feel like they have some size. They feel like they have some speed. Speed got some brains over there. Some guys that know what they're doing. So how would how would you describe that matchup and what we're looking towards this weekend? North Carolina's even with Drake May in the game, of course. North Carolina's running game versus South Carolina trying to stop it. Well, I mean, you bring up South Carolina's linebackers, and and you know, I, to me, that group has the most potential on on this entire South Carolina roster to to make a difference, a, a greater difference overall. Like I from from what from where that linebacker group played last year 
to what this the ceiling is on on this year's linebacker group, I feel like is the biggest gap, right? Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. I, I I feel like when you when you throw Debo Williams out there, Stone Blanton, uh, healthy Mo Caba, Pup Howard, uh, Bam Martin Scott, who's a veteran now and and brings some speed, athleticism, hitting ability, like I feel like those five guys especially can can be really really good uh, for for this team and and take nothing away from from Brad Johnson and, and Sherrod Green last year, you know, they were veterans and, and, uh, and did a, did a decent job, but these guys uh, can fly around better. Uh, they, they'll play downhill a little bit more. Uh, they, they just have different traits. And I feel like the ceiling with these guys is higher than, than, than where they were last year. So, you know, I think that's a huge deal in the run game. You know, the defensive line can, can do their jobs. And, you know, if, if the linebackers aren't there to, to make the stop, then, you know, it's it's not it's really going to be all for naught, but uh, which I think we saw a, a few times last year. So, you know, I think this defensive line can can uh, can can be really good too. What's going to be interesting to me is is how how it all kind of comes together and evolves over the course of the season. Like yeah. Tonka Hemingway may be playing more snaps out on the edge in 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 the first week of the season than than maybe he does later on when Jatias Gear is is a hundred percent healthy and. And, and Drew Tazama is is fully integrated into this thing and has more snaps under his belt than just a week's worth of practice. So uh, I, I think the defensive line is certainly going to evolve some over the course of the year. But uh, I, I feel like I feel like they're entering the season in a pretty good spot, but have have potential to get better there too. So um, you know, as far as North Carolina's run game, as you mentioned, there's there's depth and, and talent back there, a couple of proven guys. So. Uh, but I, I feel like South Carolina's defense is is going to going to uh, be okay, and we learn, we'll learn a lot about those guys. I think this coming this coming weekend, the North Carolina offense to kind of lump everybody into this conversation. It's kind of a fascinating conversation right now because you've got you've got a you know a new offensive coordinator, and then you've got a quarterback last year who ran for what what did how many yards did May run for last year? Eight hundred. Something like that. It was a lot, right? I mean, and he was then, the rusher, so yeah, it, yeah. It was. I want to say it was like eight hundred something yards or something like that. But it's strange because you have all this depth at the running back position. Chip Lindsey's new to the program, calling the plays. Yet your leading returning rusher was your starting quarterback, who we know can also run. But what I found, John, in in kind of going back and looking over his numbers, is. The games that he did not play well offensively, throwing the football, were the games where they stopped him from running the football. Like if they prevented, at least, at least slowed him down dramatically to where you know he was only maybe averaging a yard or two per carry as opposed to 12, 13 carries for 65 yards or something like that, it greatly affected his passing game. And I'm really interested to see how South Carolina attacks that this week. Well, and it might it might come down to a couple of different factors. It may be you know just him getting hit a little bit and and tackled and in that that run game not working for him. You know maybe maybe that's maybe that's the the big deal for him. May, I mean if if you if you uh, can can get to a quarterback and affect him that way, it can affect him in a lot of different ways. So, uh, but you know Drake is Drake May's a year older. Uh, he's he's a year better, and you know I. I, I anticipate that a guy the caliber of of him of, of will work this offseason he, he will have noticed that he will have noticed that and have done a lot 
to improve that that particular stat that, that you mentioned and, and work to improve his game that way. So, you know, that, that may or may not be the case this year. That may be a very astute observation, or it may just end up being something that, that uh, we talk about as something over the course of the season is something that, that he's improved on dramatically. But, um, I mean, the guy's one of the front runners for the Heisman for, for a reason, and, you know, you expect a guy like that to, to keep improving and making tweaks to his game. Did any of y'all think that Sam Hartman is now more in that Heisman conversation after his performance against Navy this weekend? Just out of curiosity. Anybody? Yeah. No, of course. He's the Notre Dame quarterback. And, and look, Dame, they, right? yeah. <laughs> look, they looked really, really good. Yeah. John? Yeah, I mean, you – when 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 you put up a performance like that, it, it certainly it certainly catches eyes. Now, as somebody who who votes for the Heisman, like I try not to look at one game, especially early in the season, and and form any kind of firm opinion. Like, sure, absolutely. You know, I, I wish uh, go back I, one year to Anthony Richardson on that conversation. It died yeah. out pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can you can look at a bunch of people like that, especially at the quarterback position. Um, but you know, it, it, at the same time, like I, I kind of, I'm, I'm the guy who wishes there, there weren't really preseason polls that your, that your rankings would come out after about four weeks of the season, so you could have a better snapshot of, of you know, what teams are and what they look like after, after a few games, and then rank that way. So you know, I, I try to approach things the same way with the Heisman. You know, I kind of. I kind of look at look at things. I try to get a little bit of a sample size, and then over the course of the season, go back and 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 look at spe- things specifically. But you know, but it, but to your point, like when you go out and have great games, when the whole world's watching, and the whole world was watching uh, on Saturday, it, it certainly does something for you, and and uh, can can certainly draw some eyes. Yeah, I, and you know, I think on I made a statement earlier. You, I'm not sure if you had. Uh, jumped in just yet and heard it but I, I mentioned to JC and Phil that it, the first three weeks of the season South Carolina has this enormous opportunity they have as large of an opportunity as anybody in the sport of college football the first three weeks of the season because of how it's set up right now with you got game day prime time on ABC two weeks later right there on CBS game of the week uh, last year for the SEC on CBS if you beat North Carolina, Georgia's going to be undefeated. There's a high chance that College Game Day actually makes its way to Athens, uh, potentially for that weekend as well, based on some whispers out there. And, and so you're talking about you could literally make as big of a statement as anybody out there, you know, coming kind of from off the radar, at least on the fringe of that radar, to jumping right smack dab in the minute. Now, that's that of course, sounds like me predicting that they opened the season 3-0 and with a win over North Carolina, a win over Furman, and a win over Georgia. I'm not predicting that. All I'm saying is that they have as much of an opportunity to make some some big impact out there. What I'm getting at here, now that I mentioned the Heisman, is so does Spencer Rattler. I mean, he, he, he has the tools, John. He's proved that in his career. He's got them. But what he needs to be able to do is string that together, right, in some big moments on a big stage with big opportunity, and then you'll start to see some of that narrative change, probably not only for him, but for his Gamecocks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Heisman winners are what? At least in the 
basically modern era, you're you're looking at at the best players on the on the best teams, right? Like that's that's really what it's come down to. And you know, for for Spencer Rattler to 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 be in that conversation, you know, they're gonna have to have to win some big games or be in it in big games. And and going against Georgia qualifies as that. You know, you put up a you put up big numbers against North Carolina week one. Say say you do that, but you know, it's it's a defense that was was one of the worst in, in power five football last year. So do you, do you take much from that as a Heisman voter? Well, yeah, if you stack some good performances on top of that, but you know, you're going to have a tremendous opportunity against Georgia to go against a, a great defense, uh, go on the road to, to face them. And, you know, it's, he, he's got, you're, you're right. He's going to have a lot of opportunity to be able to, to, to put up some numbers and, and catch some eyes early, or, or at least catch some eyes early. And if he puts up those numbers, then then he does change that narrative from a from being a, an inconsistent but potentially dynamic quarterback to to one who's really really good and, and one of the best in the country. Yeah, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. I'm not trying to predict undefeated records and Heisman trophies and things like that. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just talking about how these things evolve and transform themselves into conversations in this sport this is how when you have the opportunity you have the spotlight you take advantage of it we'll see if they can get that done or not uh john uh outside of (laughs) phil what was it stretching i'll be watching stretching Um, what are you what are you writing about this week john and don't say football uh, you know anything that's uh, that's really important to the game that you've got on your on your docket? Well, it, it is it is game week, so now now you start looking more more about the big picture of what South Carolina versus North Carolina looks like versus you know just what South Carolina is doing throughout camp. Kind of the you know we we want to see the depth chart tomorrow. The, the depth chart should come out tomorrow, and Shane Beamer will put a few oars on there. So there's some. Still some uh, position battles going on, but the conversation goes from position battles in, in camp to to matchups against North Carolina. So, yeah. you know, I, it it does sound like, you know, North Carolina may uh, have have some some things on uh, or, or still still working some things out on their depth chart. But you, you go you go from from uh, the big picture, South Carolina to to kind of looking at, at the matchup now. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to this week for sure. And. And uh, in, in analyzing that over the course of the week. And people don't really understand sometimes about these practice reports. And I just posted something on the big spur about it. Uh, these are all meant to tell you guys who is going to be playing for the Gamecocks this year. Who's going to be doing the playing, like Spurrier used to say. They're not a predictor of success or not success. Uh, against uh, other teams, unless you have like a returning guy that you know is proven and all that. Um, so people keep, people need to keep that in mind, uh, you know, because a lot of times we'll read a practice report and it's super positive. It's because it is in terms of these players making moves on depth charts and all that good stuff. You know, it's not meant to say, ah, this guy's going to run all over North Carolina or run all over Georgia or whatever. Um, and so – in that way too, John, I think it's a relief because you can, you have some kind of comparison, right? And you can say, ah, well, you know, that guy was good in practice, but, or, oh, wow, this guy wasn't this in practice, but he's this in the game. Um, I think that's probably the way it is in, in all sports, but in this one, you don't even have any scrimmages or anything like against other teams to, to kind of hold it up against. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes football a little bit more challenging than, 
in, in terms of predicting who's going to be good. Like you have to rely on the eyes who are telling you things. Like you, we don't get to see a whole heck of a lot of it. We get to see a very, very little bit. Um, but you know, I, I mean, baseball, all baseball, and, and I understand why football scrimmages aren't open. Uh, like I understand why football tries to keep things in, in house for the most part. But I, I enjoy going to all the baseball scrimmages in the in the fall and and in the preseason in January before these games in February because you get an idea of of what things are going to look like. You can hit a curveball or you can't. You can throw a curveball or you can't. Uh, you know, it, I mean, the, the last couple years I've, I've or last few years, I've predicted the, the record pretty, pretty spot on because I have an idea of what, what it's going to look like when an, when an opponent comes in. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, and we don't get that in football. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this Saturday to, and seeing how, these guys match up against another opponent because it's one thing to go against your own guys in practice and, and, and hear practice reports, get quotes from players and coaches and, and uh, you know, get some insight in, in terms of what coaches and, and staff members and whoever want you to know about versus the things they don't want you to know about. So, you know, the first game is always big in terms of, you know, kind of readjusting and reevaluating some of the, uh, the, the big picture points and finer points of, of, of the season. Are you expecting, John? We'll let you run on this note, so we got to get to break. But are you expecting to see any surprises tomorrow on Shane's uh, depth chart? Surprises? Um, not that I can think of offhand. You know, I, I will say that that uh, I, I think there will be a, a surprise or two, maybe on the offensive line, because. So much of that has been moved around so much. So many of those guys have been moved around so much. There's so many different guys who are in competitions at different positions and who wins something in one position is going to affect another position. And, and you know, especially if they put out your five starters tomorrow and your five backups and not a whole bunch of, of, of oars, this guy or this guy, this guy or this guy. If, if they put out starters, then I think that will probably bring a, a, a surprise or two. Um, you know, maybe not something that's that's shocking in terms of, oh, my goodness, I, I would have never expected that. But surprising in that, you know, this is how it shook out versus it, versus going another way. So, you know, that that's probably the most intriguing piece that, that I, I will see tomorrow. And and because, uh, you know, the offensive line is, is pretty set. I mean, you don't rotate a whole lot yeah. like if, if uh, they if they put. Tonka Hemingway at defensive tackle as a starter and he ends up starting at defensive end on Saturday. Like that's, that's not really a story uh, to me. Um, you know, it, he's going to be moving back and forth a, a good bit, but you know, if, if you put, you know, uh, Vershawn Lee at, at guard, like that would be a big surprise. I, I mean, I think he'll be the starting center, but if you put a uh, Sydney Fugar at left tackle instead of right tackle, like that's going to have implications on other things. So I, I think, I think that's going to be the most intriguing thing to me is, is, is how guys are slotted on the O-line. John Whittle. He's all over it and he will be on Saturday at bank of America stadium in Charlotte between Carolina and North Carolina. You heard that Absolutely. here first, 7.30 on ABC. Uh, John, can't wait. Can't wait. We'll be monitoring all week and uh, look forward to uh, to getting you back next – well, we'll I guess we're off next Monday because it's Labor Day. So we'll have to push you back down the road a little bit, but we'll certainly want to get you back in and get your thoughts on the opening weekend. How are you all taking Labor Day off? 
because it's well, that doesn't make sense to me. We got to the first football game because like, we don't we don't want to set a precedent where we don't take holidays off. Oh, yeah. well, I'm I'm taking Monday off from the Big Spur too. Can I do that? No VIP. Monday after the first football game. If the game's out, all fair then we need to. If the Gamecocks win, if the Gamecocks win, you can take the day off. Okay, perfect. If they well, lose, I'll, I'll, I'll pass that along to Hale and Alex also. <laughs> I'll be like uh, floating in the river. I'll be floating in the river in Helen, Helen, Georgia on Labor Day, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I will find – I promise you I will have my game thoughts up before Monday. I'll have them on Sunday this time. I just wanted to watch the show for two hours, but you guys, you guys make whatever decisions you want to make. Well, uh, I'll I'll be over at the Big Spur doing doing everything that I do. Y'all, y'all enjoy y'all, y'all enjoy whatever people do on Labor Day. What do people do on Labor Day anyway? Well, I'll, I'll be uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be sitting by the pool and uh, you know watching getting ready for that big Clemson Duke battle in uh. And we'll hey, don't be sleeping Wall- on the Blue Wall- Devils, now. Wallace Wade, baby. Yeah, gonna okay. be electric. Packed house uh, here at Wallace Wade. Well, well y'all, y'all be sure to have the bigspur.com up on your phones while you're sitting by the pool or in the pool scrolling through all the hard work that we're doing on Labor Day. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I cannot thank you enough for the work that you do. It, it means yeah, a lot. It is awesome. It <laughs> is no awesome. Doubt. No doubt. Especially <laughs> on the holidays, man. You save our holidays big time. You know, <laughs> families bitching and moaning in the background about God knows what on Thanksgiving. I'm just over there reading John Whittle. You know, I've been getting that here lately. What are you reading? I'm like, articles. It's Whittle. (laughs) Whittle wrote this one. It's about baseball and questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, John. Appreciate you guys. Y'all take care. There you go. The great John Whittle. He also has some stuff up on the Big Spur right now about the newest commitment to Gamecock baseball. If you want to make sure that you check that out, we are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. If you have. Not been to Electric Bikes of Charleston or not seen their website, or of course you would that would mean you haven't seen Charleston Fitness Equipment either. I finally got, got my hydro rower. It was delivered on Friday. I've already gone through the training workouts, JC. It is awesome. We're gonna be getting rid of we're gonna be trimming the fat around the edges here, raising the pecs a little bit, you know, making it look like I'm younger again. I am ecstatic. It is so worth it. It is the easiest thing ever. I had the kids all weekend. My wife was out of town, and I was able to squeeze in 15 minutes of high-intensity stuff before they could figure out where I was, and it was totally worth it. So make sure that you head to electricbikescharleston.com or charlestonfitnessequipment.com as well. They're all part of the same building under the same umbrella. They are Gamecock-owned and operated, and Michelle Wilkins and, and her team, sometimes Michelle's in the chat box and stuff like that, they are irreplaceable, and they are awesome. And she knows everything about Carolina football. It is so cool. Make sure you find them. Again, electricbikescharleston.com. Those electric bikes, by the way, up to 28 miles per hour. It's pretty crazy. You can drink and ride as long as you don't get caught. Electricbikescharleston.com. We're dressed by Britons today. Britons of Columbia. Check out this cocky shirt. It is unbelievable. Don't even realize I'm wearing it. It's so light. Britons of Columbia, 771-2700-803-771-2700. Pat DeMarco, Talking Ball, up next, Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network. Ah, my man, talking ball with Pat DeMarco here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barn Dominium Co., where you can build your dream house for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. Pat, do you have one of these? I do not. That thing is fancy, though. They're from Britain's. Oh, it's right up the road. Totally under the Dude. Yeah. The so J J C first of all, thanks to Perry at at, at Britain's and his team. So J C I haven't been able to get to Columbia to to grab this thing. My whole plan originally was all right, I'm gonna go up there, get my clothes, 
but I'm going to get with you. I want to get with you and maybe try to play around in golf. You know, just take the whole day. And I just you haven't been able to do it. An NIL deal with them or something? Well, you could say that. You could say that. <laughs> so I, I, let's see here. Uh, uh, JC has the name. I have the image, and Phil has the likeness, so it kind of all works. There's the trifecta um, right there. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I even had to do my hair up and all that. So, uh, but anyways, I, you know, they sent these. Uh, I finally got my shirts at least. Don't, dude, these are the nicest shirts I've ever put on. And um, so, anyways, I didn't know if you had one. Pants, no, I like it. I'll have to swim by and get me one. Well, I don't, Phil. I don't generally wear pants on the air, so I'm not. I'm just kind of a shirt guy. Just the boxers, yeah, whitey tighties. Yeah, uh, yeah. These are, but anyway. So JC, uh, JC was like, "You got to get up there and get it. You got to get it. Got to get it. Got to get it." And I was like, "I'm going to." And then when I put it on last night, I didn't want to take it off. So, but I did, and then put it back on this morning. Anyways, thanks to Perry and the guys at uh, at Britain's. All right, here we go, Pat. I mean, before you know, forget the X's and O's and all this crap. What what was it like when you opened up game week? Uh, when you were playing at South Carolina, and you're like, man, this is it. We, we get to play ball this week, especially your freshman year. The, for the first time yeah. in your life, you're about to be a college football player in a college football game. You, do you remember any of that? Oh, so, I mean, like it was yesterday. I mean, butterflies, you know, anxiety on a thousand, um, prepping. But the beauty is you get to hit somebody else for the first time in nine months. You've been hitting each other and training with each other and, arguing and bickering back and forth with the guys in the locker room. Now it's time to go take out all the frustration on somebody wearing a different color jersey. So, um, yes, I mean, I remember it. You know, it's a lot of work you put in. Um, and now it's it's finally here. It's coming to fruition. So I know these guys, I would imagine, if they're anything like we were from 2007 to 2010, they're gearing up and ready to go impose their will on the team in the upstate. You know, Pat, um, I mean, we've we've done nothing for the last few months, but or last few weeks, I, I would say, really. But uh, talk about you know X's and O's and depth charts and and all these type of things. Next week, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a really good uh, chance yeah, we, to do that. Been, yeah, we've been talk, talking hypotheticals and this and that. Now we actually get to see because one thing all my coaches told me. I mean, even from college through the NFL is the tape don't lie. Yeah. So you are what you put on tape. So all these guys and, and even all these polls and everything that have been talking these teams up and these players up and these players can ride the high on social media and think they're so good. Now you can turn the tape on and see if the hype is really the hype. Um, so, I mean, that was one thing that really stuck with me is the tape don't lie. You are what you put on tape. So, now it's time for all these guys to let the pads do the talking, all the social media and all the buzz here and there. Put the tape on, watch the games, and either make plays or you don't. Well, and I and I think offensively they're going to have a chance to make a lot of plays. I, I mentioned to, to Whittle earlier that um, you know Spencer Rattler only seven times, seven, that's it, in his career. He's been throwing passes in college football since 2019. Seven times has he completed less than 63% of his passes in a game. That's That's really phenomenal. That's and incredible. it is, and and it tell in four of those times were last year under Coach Satterfield. Now he's under Dow Loggins. Uh, at this is where I bring you in to let you take it and run with it. The NFL model is designed 
uh, for, as you pointed out last week, matchups, and it's it's designed for accuracy. Quarterbacks who can't complete 60% of their passes don't play in the NFL. Quarterbacks that can complete 70% of their passes do. Spencer Rattler historically has those numbers in his back pocket, so I'm really anxious to see how they have kind of collectively figured out this offensive scheme, an offense, uh, an offense from the NFL that brings matchup and playmakers into play and with a quarterback who can get the ball under their hands. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's time for, you know, there's, there's athletes around Spencer this year. So um, I know we had question marks going into last year, who the playmaker is going to be with new transfers coming in. I mean, dang near all the receivers are returning. Um, we got two proven tight ends that have played at a really high level um, here in college football. Got a running back room that has a plethora of talent, hasn't necessarily played in the SEC at this nucleus yet, but they've played elsewhere and they've put up good numbers when they've had the ball in their hands. Um, so, I mean, Spencer's going to have weapons around him. So, like you said, putting the ball in the right places, taking care of the football, I think is the most important thing in these early games. Um, not giving anybody any freebies. Um, and I think Spencer, I mean, this, like you said, been playing since 2019. So this is, this is fifth year or fourth year. This is five, right? Yeah. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. So it's fifth year. Yep. So played a bunch of ball. So, I mean, I think if it stays in, if we keep the ball in our hands, we don't turn the ball over. Um, that's going to be pivotal these first few weeks, figuring out your identity, um, and just playing really smart football. Don't beat yourself, um, in these early games. Yeah, that that was my follow up question. I think you pretty much already answered it there. You know what? Is, what is that? We again, we spent all off season talking about all these hypotheticals, but like I feel like there's that first game. There's always something you feel like you didn't talk about, and you're you're talking about turnovers here. I mean, I would say turnovers and special teams are two things that never get enough attention until you get through week one and you look back and go, oh well, that was pretty important too. I think the most pivotal thing and it goes to both sides of the ball, is tackling. Um, I mean, the last time, I mean, other than these mock scrimmages and this and that, like there is not – I don't think there's any college football teams that go through a full practice during training camp where they're banging and tackling to the ground every single period. That's from risk and injury and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, making plays in the open field and getting guys on the ground, missed tackles, I, I would imagine – in this game with both of these offenses and the playmakers that they have around each other, I would bet you a lot of money that whoever has the least missed tackles is probably going to win this football game. Um, and, you know, you know, I know, I believe, or I know from being on the staff the last two years that coach Beamer and coach Limbo and Clayton White and Dow Loggins, these guys have been working those type of drills, maybe not full speed, but wrapping up, Attack one of the ground, rolling dummies, you know, stiff arm, stumble bum, all these drills that you do to break tackles and ball security. This is all stuff that has been in since day one. Um, so it's time to see if all that stuff comes comes to fruition. And um, you know, the the, the good guys in, in, in Carolina Garden and getting the guys on the ground and the guys up in North Carolina miss some tackles. So um it'll be fun to watch. It's but it's I mean, it's it's every year. It's in the NFL, it's at college, it's high school, it's the guys just don't remember how to tackle, how to come to balance and, and engage and all that stuff. So um, I think we're going to be ready. Is there a correlation between how hard you work on physicality in the preseason versus 
what that looks like in the games because I, I feel like Coach Spurrier was always more on the hey, let's just not get hurt side of things. Yeah, I mean, but but there's there's periods where you turn it on and turn it off. Um, I mean, yes, you don't want your best players. I mean, put in risks where they break bones and stuff. I remember my, I think it was my senior year during like a couple of weeks before the opening game, I broke my forearm. I think it was six weeks or five weeks before the opening game, maybe the first or second scrimmage. Um, broke my forearm in two places, and they're like, Pat, do you want to get it fixed? you want to miss this year? Do you want a red shirt? And I'm like, no, heck no. Um, so, I mean, it kind of comes with a risk, and you also got to remember injury rate in the, NFL, in the NFL, just in college, in football in general is 100%. So you're going to get banged up and this and that. It's about playing through those. But um, having your key players healthy going into season is definitely pivotal. Um, you know, you want to start out fast. Uh, I mean, that kind of that, – that goes to set the tone for how the season's going to be. And, I mean, I think this is a prime example. Um, you know, the good guys are playing a top 25 team. Um, you know, the rival state right up north. And – you know, starting out with a bang is definitely going to set the tone for what this season is going to be. All right, what Pat. Surprise you, Pat, yeah. if there are guys that we haven't really been talking about or that we, you know, we're, we're hearing are just injured that are merely just being bubble wrapped through fall camp here to to be okay for game one? I mean, you know, directly to that last point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what, what are, what's the – what's – What's North Carolina's injury situation and our injury situation? I haven't kept up with it too much, but I mean, it seems to think like all the stuff I see is we're relatively healthy. Yeah, um, should yeah, have should good. be on all cylinders. Yeah, I I think one of the things that is really um, you got to know these guys over the last few years, so I'll just so I'll just ask you specifically the secondary for South Carolina, Pat. Tell. Tell us what you know about these young men. Um, they're all from South Carolina, the four whom are expected to start uh, coming up this weekend. You're talking about Dial and uh, Fortune on the corners, and then at the safety spots, DQ Smith and Nikki Mawari, uh, who are fairly young, but I guess really not anymore after playing 13 games last year. So tell me what you know about these guys. What, what, what makes them click? What makes them mean? Yeah, I mean, you grow up quick playing college football, especially when you're thrown in the fire and the SEC schedule. So um, I know Nick and DQ, especially guys that not didn't necessarily start game one last year, but came in and played pivotal steps very early in the year and stepped into starting roles, you know, before halfway through the year and ended up playing at such a high level. They won, you know, all, all American honors, uh, all conference honors. So, I mean, those guys – just honestly are, are what Gamecocks are all about. They, I mean, they're, they're gritty. They're tough. They have a very big attention to detail, growth mindset. Um, I think they've both, at least I know through the spring when I was up in the building all the time, they have definitely stepped out of I'm a freshman and into let's go get after it and let's take this thing to the next level. They've definitely taken on some leadership roles, um, DQ especially. Uh, you know, I think – Anybody with that quarterback mindset at the college level, at the high school level, there's just leadership and certain stuff that comes with that. So DQ's brought that onto the defensive side of the ball. He brought it in the weight room. He brings it in the meeting room. Uh, I mean, same with Nick, just with Nick's presence in his town alone. Like he might not be a big rah-rah speech guy, but I'll tell you what, when he puts the pads on and the helmet on, you're going to hear him. You're going to see him. You're going to feel his presence. 
Um, so I think both those guys elevated. I mean, Marcellus Dial's been playing a bunch of snaps for a long time. You know, he has taken, he has kind of been the third wheel between the Darius Rush and the Cam Smith um, trifecta. So now it's time for him, who's, I mean, he's a crazy talented kid to go out and show the world, but he's got him. I mean, he's a talented player. He's about all the right stuff. He competes at the highest level. And then OD, OD's been playing great special teams ball for us for the last two years, has fit in when guys are hurt, has made plays when, when needed to make plays. I mean, look at the bowl game. He had a 99 or 101 yard interception return for a touchdown. So I think that position group is, um, is for lack of better words, dialed in and, and ready to go out there and play. Ah, now yeah, that, yeah. now we're talking NIL. You see, now let, me, found it, baby. Let, let me text Marcellus and tell him that old PD here has come up <laughs> with a way to earn some cash. Dialed in. Um, that That's, that's, I, I, you know, by the way, the, uh, the OD pick last year, I didn't even see half of it because I was jumping the whole time. I couldn't believe he was running for 100 yards. But I remember when he ran into the end zone, I couldn't figure out whether he was just so humble he didn't want to celebrate or whether he was just cooked from running um, over 100 yards. I mean, at that point, you're just like, you're looking at the, you're, you're, where's, where's the big paint in the end zone? Just get me there <laughs> and then get me to the water or get me to the oxygen. Yeah. Um, he walked off the field. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I didn't have any – Big, big plays like that as a fullback. I didn't have to run very much. Um, I remember in high school, I returned a punt, I think like 75 or 80 yards for a touchdown my senior year. Um, I did not go play defense the next series. I stayed <laughs> on the bench, and I was drinking water for the whole next series after that punt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Pat, I'll, here's a personal question for you. Uh, the 2017, y'all went to Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, and beat them twenty one to fifteen. That was your sixth win of the year. And then I won't. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, it did, didn't work out. But um, at, at that point in time, you were up to number I think seven in the country after that win, mm-hmm. if not number six in the country. But um, I, I remember being in Chapel Hill for the game. Y'all got up. You, you were up twenty one to nothing. Smelly really couldn't miss. Yep. And um, and he was he was playing well, and I, and I thought at that point in time, well, Gamecocks going to run right on out of right out of the ballpark here. What what I'm not trying to we joke about the wine and cheese country out there, but what was your experience like uh, playing up there in in Chapel Hill? Just describe it for us. Yeah, I mean that was I mean shoot that was a long time ago. Um, that was a lot of a lot of hits ago. Um, yeah. Was it, say, I mean, was I, it more was it more difficult to play at Vanderbilt? Uh, you don't have to I mean, answer that. I'm just kidding. They're both really smart schools. I'll give them that. Um, I, I will say, I mean, probably the I mean, honestly, I mean, we walked out of there with the win, obviously, which was which was really cool, especially to defeating that team. But the thing that I remember most about this game was when we walked out of the tunnel. They had their basketball team standing right there as we're walking out, and this was. The Tyler Hansborough, Tyler Hansborough days, and he's sitting there, and there's like a rope kind of blocking us off, and you know they have all these baby blue colors just right in front of you, and I remember him just like trying to taunt us, and like I remember I think a couple of us were joking, I forget who we were joking with, but it was like, isn't that the guy that was wearing the face mask because he took an elbow to the face <laughs> in, in the <laughs> final four of the NCAA? Um, and I just I, that was the thing that stood out the most. They had these freaking giant 
six foot eight string bean sitting there trying to intimidate us. And I wanted to be like, you see that left tackle right there? He will eat you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, who was the left tackle on that team? Oh, that was oh, that was Justin Sorensen, or he was right tackle. Uh, <laughs> Justin well, Sorensen he actually, will eat you. <laughs> yeah, he would have actually eaten him. Yeah, that's yeah. he's Canadian. They, I hear they do that type of thing up there. He had a good Canadian career too. I think he played for like twelve or thirteen years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, so wait, that was by design? They put those guys outside of y'all's locker room to, like, try to – Yeah, the intimidation factor. That's why we went up 21 nothing pretty quick. We weren't real t- intimidated by their um, six-foot-eight, 210-pound basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't work. Yeah, that didn't work. Who was, who was the coach in 2007, J.C., at North Carolina? Buzz Davis. It was Buzz his first Davis. year. <laughs> yeah. They had a talented roster. I do remember that. I mean, they had yeah. a good recruiting class that year. Um, and I remember that they did. They, I mean, it came down to a, like two Hail Marys at the very end where we knocked a few down, maybe picked one off at the very, very end. I think these yeah. two might have a pick or somebody had a big pick to, to end it. TJ, uh, I think Coach put Jared Cook back there to knock it down too. Or, or yeah, That's a good guy. He jumped safety. like 57 inches at the, uh, the combine or something absurd. <laughs> Yeah, Was he, he, uh, how TJ, high can he jump? Jared Cook. I yeah. mean, like I heard, I heard him. Dunk, he would go like just go shoot around the basketball team sometimes, and he'd uh, literally almost pull the rim down. Like it was nuts. He floated. Like he didn't jump. He floated. He was like, you're like, holy cow, we're still in the air. Um, I, no, I mean, on, when we played intramural, I played intramural basketball with Garcia and Brandeis and Reed McCollum and. Who else do we have? Stephen Flint, um, Tommy oh, Beecher, Chris Smelly. I mean, a couple of the specialists. I mean, we had and, – and we we played in one of the leagues, and then a lot of the, should I say, more athletic guys had, had another team, and that was the Jared Cook, the Freddie Browns, the Darian Stewarts. Um, we didn't want to play against them. We played in the next league down for, for a reason. We didn't want to get embarrassed by our own teammates. <laughs> 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 yeah, but you had Peen on your team, dude. He was the secret weapon. Yeah, Peen, Peen could jump. Peen could not dribble and could not shoot. But he, he was good for seven boards a game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's a better basketball player than Michael, that's for sure. Oh, geez, that's that's scary. Michael was terrible. <laughs> Michael still is terrible. Um. All right, Pat, uh, you kind of hit on some of this just a little while. I know you haven't done a bunch. Of, by the way, let me squeeze this in real quick. According to per- Brad Crawford, we, we could be – Literally any time, any minute, uh, getting something from the NCAA on uh, Tez Walker and whether he will or won't be eligible uh, based on his appeal. Uh, so we, we should know something on that pretty soon, at least something today, but sooner than later, is according to according to Brad Crawford. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. Um, things that you'll be uh, really watching coming up this week in the in the ball game, Pat. You don't have to speak about it from the North Carolina side. That's not your job here. Uh, we're just talking ball with you, which we'll be able to do a lot more of next week. But um, you know, is understanding this football team, the players that are on it, and and what they're going to try to achieve out there. You know, what are you most excited to see this week? Um, I mean, I'm excited to see kind of the offense come to fruition. Um. I mean, Spencer coming back, Juice coming back, some transfers coming in, DK making the move. I think there's been a lot of a lot of talk and a lot of hype about those guys. And 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 I think 
it's going to be really fun to watch with Dow Loggins calling the plays and making sure stuff is being set up. Um, I mean, it's also, I mean, it's been nine months since these guys have played a football game. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of coaching in there. Um, you know, each team I would imagine is going to have some wrinkles up their sleeves too. So I would imagine there's going to be some trick plays greased up, maybe some special team stuff. I mean, you got to think from a, from a coaching standpoint, um, you get bored over nine months and, and you kind of can get creative and, and stuff like that. So um, the beauty is, is you can keep that stuff in your back pocket or you can have it, bring it out if you really need it. So um, I, I think kind of watching that running back room flourish and seeing what, what DK is and how they utilize um, Juju and um, DJ Braswell and, and Mario Anderson, like kind of how that room there's been so many question marks around it. I know there's been a lot of people talking, maybe not that highly about it, but it, I would not be surprised if that room came out and turned some heads uh, and played with physicality and, and played and made some explosive plays to really differentiate this game. Uh, it, real quick before I let you run here, um, we, we've got a depth chart, Pat. Do you do you mind if I read this depth chart real quick uh, just to see if anything stands out to you? Um, yeah. This has just been released by the university. No shocker on offense that Wells, Brown, and Leggett are the top three. Uh, Nick Harbor, it will back up Juice. Eddie Lewis will back up Amarian, and Omega Blake will back up Xavier Leggett. Here's what's interesting. On the offensive line uh, on, at the tackle position, you've got Sidney Fugar or Jackson Hughes at the same tackle position. Yeah. And opposite, you've got Cason Henry or – Tyshawn Wanamaker. Um, mm -hmm. I thought Fugar and Hughes would both get starts at left tackle and right tackle, but apparently that is not going to be the case according to the depth chart. Gargiulo will be at guard. Moore will be at guard. Lee will be at center. No shocker there. Knox, Simon, Rattler, and Joyner. None of mm -hmm. that uh, is, is, is surprising. But your thoughts quickly on the tackle position. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – I know Kaysen missed some time early in camp. Um, it was kind of coming off the injury this summer. Um, I think we talked last week, like he's got that dog in him. Like he has that difference. I, I think personally, I just, when I look at somebody in the eyes and I see the way they come off the ball, he comes off a little different. Um, I have not spent that much time with Fugar and Jackson Hughes. Sure. Um, so I haven't seen that or experienced that with those guys. Um, I mean, Wanamaker's played a bunch of ball and, and I, I guess maybe that is also incentivizing guys have a freaking great week of practice. Show me and prove to me that you're the guy that I want to send out there on Saturday. Yeah. We'll put the asterisks around it or the and or, but I, I don't think that those positions are positions like quarterback where you can do the Kurt Spurrier system where you can rotate series or rotate plays. Or um, I think those positions will be one this week. And if not, Maybe it's a quarter by quarter or a half by half, depending on how they play. Um, yeah, I mean that's my take. Go with the hot hand, and 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 I, and I think. I mean, well, they're, they're gonna they're gonna play a bunch of guys. Pat is yep. is is what we're aware of. And on the defensive side, by the way, really nothing surprising. Uh, I would say this might be a little bit of eye opening uh, at the defensive end position. 
You got Strawn Tom, or Thomas or Umi Azulu at one. Strawn is the starter. We know that. Mm-hmm. The other side, though, they've got Tyreek Johnson or Gear, uh, Jatias Gear or mm-hmm. Terrell Dawkins. Uh, Gear looks to be, you know, at least limited thus far with an injury. Um, one other thing I'm going to point no, nothing surprising except for the fact they do have Keenan Nelson Jr. listed over David Spalding at the nickel position yeah. uh, if they have to throw him in there. So that's interesting. You've seen Nelson practice and play over the last couple of years. And Tyreek Johnson's been here for a while. And I don't know anything about this young man as a player. We haven't seen him play a ton, Pat. But I've got two people who've told me, you're not going to find a kid on this team or any team for that matter better than Tyreek Johnson. I'll tell you what, I mean, I remember this was last year. We went out there and there were a couple scouts, um, a couple from the Bills, a couple from the Falcons, Giants, a couple that I were familiar that I was familiar with. And we walk out on the on the practice field. You know, the first thing they look for is the eye test. Like who passes, like who looks like an NFL dude? Tyreek Johnson looks like an NFL dude. Sheer size, makeup. I mean, he's 6'3", 275 pounds. Legs are as big as my torso. Biceps are as big as my head. I mean, he's a he's a massive human being. Um, you know, I, I do like the versatility at those edge positions that we have. I do think that they're – I mean, look at the NFL. There's first and second down defensive ends, and there's third down defensive ends. There's guys that can get after the passer, and there's guys that can set the edge. Um and and I think between the plethora, the six of those guys, two, uh, one at each position, like they can kind of rotate and get around. You know, a guy that I really, really like and I really enjoyed from a from a player standpoint and just a person standpoint was Brian Thomas. Mm-hmm. Like he has a motor. I love the way he played. I, I wish he was a fullback, honestly. Um, he just goes. Wow. Um, and I remember, I mean, I was at the scrimmage two weeks ago, and he just made plays. Blew up the guard in the backfield. Somehow got his got his hand near the quarterback. Deflected a pass. Like just very active. Um, so I think um, I think they got a lot of people. And but going back to Tyreek Johnson, I mean he um, when he puts his hands in your chest, if you're an offensive lineman or a tight end, it feels different when he puts his hands in your chest first. When somebody else puts their hands in your chest, I'll just put it that way. He's a grown man. Well. If he gets to start this weekend, he'll be one of eight, eight South Carolinians that start on defense for Let's the go. against the Tar Heels. That's a that's that's state pride right there, yeah. and uh, and hopefully those hey, guys will go up and play well. I remember I, did, I was flipping back through my computer. I did a research, like a graduate uh, research paper, and I forget I was going through my my computer stuff. I think it was four or five days ago. There was a a stat that I had wrote about, and it was the number of first round players that played at the in state school. Like, if you were a first rounder and you played at your in state school, it was like sixty or seventy percent. So that just goes to show you: keep your top talent in state, mm-hmm. um, and good stuff happens. I mean, those dudes just for some reason play a little bit harder. Um, you know, the SEC motto, it just, it, their motto, it just means more. Um, I think it means more when you keep your top talent in state um, and they play for the team that they've been watching and hearing about for forever. So, no, that's eight guys. That's awesome. Pat, uh, you do you uh, – no, don't predict any scores. Just uh, just recap the win next week for us. How about that? 
Let's do it. Are you going to, um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk offline, but I'm excited to watch some tape with you guys and, and really dive in. And like I said, really, really early on in this interview, like the tape don't lie. You are what you put on tape. So all the hype of all these guys, I mean, you have, I mean, I sat in those meeting rooms where you have your really, really bad plays and you got to sit there and watch it. And you know, the other 40 guys in the, in the room are watching you get your freaking face punched in or taking a charge, but they also see you trucking somebody and laying somebody out too. So you take the good with the bad um, and keep putting your best foot forward. But um, yeah, at this point, as soon as the pads come on and, and national TV's on, you, you, you can't run from it. Now the tape's right there. Saturday night on ABC, Carolina and the Tar Heels. Thanks, brother. We will uh, talk to you next week. Yes, sir. See y'all. The great Pat DeMarco talking ball here on Inside the Gamecocks. The show, it is painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Lemmepaintsomething.com. Get it ready. If you need that Gamecock room painted and created, lemmepaintsomething.com. Tristan Still and his team are fantastic. Georgia or South Carolina, border to border in both states, the Peach State and the Palmetto State, you can head to lemmepaintsomething.com and they'll come paint it anything at your house. A couple of more notes to pass along from the release today uh, from Coach Fink and the Gamecocks relating to the big ball game this week, including who's calling it. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be right back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garnet black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out.
Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game Pops. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. They're fighting game are introduced. And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. The rave breaks out of Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. Twelve forty. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. The show teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. The weather they say is supposed to be cooling down soon. That signals fall, unless you live on the coast like I do, where it's just always humid. Nonetheless, TravelingCountryClub.com can get you on the course. Forty-five courses in two states, both the Palmetto State and the Tar Heel State. You can play from the mountains to the seas. Maybe you're going to make a road trip, go watch Gamecocks play. You want to stop somewhere and play some golf somewhere, travelingcountryclub.com. I promise you, check it out. You you will not regret it. And on top of that, when you play golf, you can wear these sweet shirts from Britain's in Columbia. These are unbelievable golf shirts. You won't even know that you're wearing them. Thank you, Perry and his team. Uh, no, you cannot just go buy them online. Yes, you can buy them over the phone. Yes, you can also, you know, walk into their building and buy them on Divine Street in Columbia while you're trying to relive your five points glory days. If you call 803-771-2700, you tell Perry 
You heard about it here. They have a lot of different stuff you can choose from. Uh, I'll wear another shirt that he gave uh, sent to me tomorrow. But this one is the one that Shane wore yesterday on the show. And uh, so I figured I'd just try to be like Shane. And um, I think I'm better looking than I'm he is, quite frankly. That's why. I was just going to say, I'm trying to figure out a JC shirt, the one Todd had on. Uh, no, it's not. I don't not. think so. No, I looked at that today, <laughs> and I, did, I didn't want to wear the one Shane had on. Uh, otherwise, we would have all been triplets. We would have all looked the same. So it all looked the same, like a, like a uniform. And we're the three best friends that anyone ever had. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey. Like a bunch of dorks. Well, but now, yeah. uh, uh, Perry said he wanted me to wear this on the show because he said this one fit my personality. So, well, that's so, fair. Yeah, that's it's fair. it's got a lot of crazy stuff on it, man. There's there's flapjack makers, there's grill utensils, there's a tent, there's uh, a little sign, a football helmet, a cheer. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, these are. I've never had a shirt this nice before, so I'm just I'm just happy. I'm just here so I won't get fined. But me, you know, me, that type of moment. <laughs> me and Phil have the same feel the same way about the shoes, man. We were like, this is the nicest pair of shoes I've ever owned in my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Brent's all of awesome. it. The pants are the best fitting pants I've ever had. I can't wait to go pick them up because, of course, you will get a pair of pants down there at Brent's, yeah. and they get you the right size in the middle, and then they customize the length for you. Got so it. it's great, good. I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Fantastic man. belt that came in a wooden box. I mean, that's right. It's fancy. Yeah, y'all definitely can go. go down, see Leonard, Bryson, and Perry, Britons. Yeah, you yeah. can meet Perry's wife too, Stacy, if you haven't had a chance to talk to her. Yeah, can't think a couple of great games down there. So, all right, uh, the, the Jeff chart. Hold, I wanna... hold on, hold on just a second. Before we get into that Jeff chart, let me let me get a couple of things out real quick, just on the game specifically. Sure. Good. Uh, first, Sean McDonough, Greg McElroy, and Molly McGrath will be calling it on ABC. We'll go over all this as well in our game preview on Friday, uh, but right before Michael Flint joins us here on Inside the Gamecocks. But it is not going to be called by Herb Street and Fowler. It will be called by Sean McDonough, who I think is the best in the in the game. Uh, Greg McElroy will get his first crack at being McDonough's number two guy in, in the color spot, taking the place of of um, of uh, of Todd Blackledge on ABC. So McDonough, McElroy, McGrath, the kick time specifically, boys and girls. And I'm really more giving you this for those who will be tailgating before the game. 7.44 p.m. is the official kick time of the ball game. Uh, if you're coming to the Big Spur, slash Carolina Rise, slash uh, Chief Sports uh, tailgate party. Uh, that wraps up at 6.30. You'll have plenty of time to walk 0.3 miles and into the stadium uh, with a 7.44 official kick time for the ball game uh, this weekend. South Carolina, by the way, in their last 10 games against North Carolina is 7-3, and three, and they are 3-1 and one all time in, in openers in Charlotte looking to go 4-1. and one this weekend. With all that said, though, the big news uh, that just dropped uh, as we talked to Pat about some of his thoughts on it is that of the depth chart, JC, and certainly want to get your thoughts there. There are a couple of oars in there. I think the one that most notably stuck out to me, again, was Sidney Fugar or Jackson Hughes at the same tackle spot. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be and. I was thinking they would start at left and right, but apparently they've been switching them around, which could be somewhat of a concern, could not be a concern. Um, 
it feels a little unsettled, but uh, which it, it obviously is. But uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, what I was told about Tyshawn Wanamaker, he lost too much weight. Yeah, he had to put the weight back on. He's getting there. And uh, sort of it, it, the last time I checked, this was before the final scrimmage, he had sort of gotten his mojo back, right, in practice and stuff. Um, and so him being an oar at right tackle is somewhat comforting to me <laughs> because he's played there before and he's done pretty well there before. Uh, and he's got experience, you know, I think he started there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he started there against North Carolina in the bowl, the mayonnaise bowl, uh, a couple of years ago. Well, um, Henry's healthy. I like the. I tell you what, I like that. Now, Pat Pat's on to something about him, and I think I've been talking about it too. I thought if healthy, Case and Henry would win a starting job at tackle uh, this offseason, but he just wasn't. So here he is back competing for a starting job. This kid's got some mean, like meanness about him. He's mean as a snake. Uh, that's a, he's a Tony. I call them Tony Mandrich style offensive line. They're just nasty, and he's just a nasty player. I mean, an athletic enough, good footwork. When they recruited him, they beat Tennessee on him. Uh, they couldn't believe he didn't have any more offers than he did. He's one of those Georgia kids that probably should have been offered by a bunch more people than he was. Um, so everybody, people, you know, and you hear out of camp last year, he's an NFL player, you know. Case and Henry's an NFL player, you know, that kind of thing. So – that that's encouraging, you know. Fugar fighting for a starting job is encouraging, uh, and obviously Jackson Hughes. If you just turn on the tape against what he did against Carolina last year, he he individually played very well for Charlotte. You know, he's a very good player. He was a defensive end coming out of high school, kind of a raw DN type, and just didn't quite have the quick twitch ability to be elite there. But you move it to tackle, and that's a completely different story. So, you know, I, I, you know, they have depth. Obviously, uh, the fact they hadn't settled on anybody is a concern. But then you start thinking about what's going to be on the interior with Nick Gargiulo, Jakai Moore returning to his home, where he is a Jakai Moore is a, a serviceable offensive tackle in the SEC level. I think he's a very good offensive guard at the SEC level. Uh, Vershawn Lee has been playing out of his mind from what I'm, what I'm hearing. I mean, best yeah, he's ever no played doubt. preseason. And we've all heard about Nick Gargiulo. And so I, I, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's something that's interesting. Another interesting thing I found, uh, starting linebackers, Stone Blanton and Debo Williams. Mokata, yeah. That wasn't surprising not to me back. though. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't really shocked by that. Uh, I thought that would probably be the case, JC, for the first at least one, if not two, games of the season. I, I, I'll be, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. And I think Mo, Mo is so good, he is going to get on the field, right? There's no doubt about that. So, same thing with Pup Howard. But what stands out there is a couple of things at the linebacker position. I do want to make sure I mention something on the offensive line as well. Number one, Stone Blanton has had an outstanding offseason. Like, do you remember last year? And there were people, and this pissed me off to no end. There were people with microphones, Gamecock insiders, who wanted to do nothing but rip this kid apart for how slow he was. 
which he would have run right over their asses for the crap they were talking publicly about him. Okay. But he was slow. Oh, he could, he can't move. He can't move. He can't. He was a freshman learning to play the game of football in the SEC. There's a reason why everybody wanted him. Okay. So, so if, if that's still your narrative, you, you get rid of your microphone, find a day job. You, you probably should know who I'm talking to out there saying crap like that. It's a joke. Stone Blanton's a starting linebacker in the SEC over two other guys that are really good right now. And that includes Pup Power. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, Debo Williams is got a lot of that Shaq Wilson in him. And I know we've discussed this around here a couple of times. But it's it's hard, JC. You've been covering this game and the, the these gamecocks for a long time. It is hard to take a guy like that off the field who knows where everybody's supposed to be who plays downhill who is kind of a captain out there it's hard to take a guy like that off the field so I was not shocked at all to see him put in there uh, as uh it, it number one I hope he plays like Shaq I really do. That's kind of been his problem. He, you know, as a younger player, he's very over-aggressive, and he takes a lot of what's called false steps. And I think just like with Stone, to your point, JB, when a player, especially at linebacker, and, and look, I've heard how every every young linebacker that's gotten on the field at Carolina during this whole adventure at the position the program's had, I hear it all the time, slow, slow, slow. Well, that's because they're thinking too much. I mean, you know, and, and when you think, you get you you can't you take what's called false steps, and false steps happen in a split second. But if you take one of them, that's bad. If you take two or three of them, you're dead, and you're you're, you're chasing Logan Diggs down the sidelines like Stone was last year, trying to catch up. Uh, there, there's not very many linebackers that, and, he, and Stone looks slow on that run, man. But what do you want? How many how many linebackers? All right, so the kid that played at Georgia for Mississippi last year, last year on twenty twenty one, he may have caught up with Diggs. Sky Moore may have caught up with Diggs. Uh, some of those cats that played at Alabama may have caught up with Diggs. Not too many though. Your, your linebackers are not guys that need to have to necessarily run four or five. They're guys that run four six four seven, but their shuttles like three nine because they can react and move laterally so quick. They're sideline to sideline players, and when you don't know what you're doing, uh, you are not going to be fast and reacting. It's the same thing on offense. You know, everybody wants to know why everybody's ticked off because the offense was too complicated last year. It's because when you don't know mentally where to go, your body does not react. You play you play slow. Right. And you see some things happen that are like head scratching, like you know, you're two offensive linemen blocking the same guy. Nakobe Dean's the guy I was thinking of. Thanks, Quantrell. But yep. um, right, I just you know, and, and look, so Stone Blanton, what he did this offseason, he did shed some pounds. He worked out. He got you know, worked on his speed, which you can do. He got in the playbook, and he got went up there and won the job. It's interesting to me, guys, that Pup is at Mike behind Stone. I thought for sure Pup would be a will. And in the spring, that's how it was. Pup was a will, and Cabo was the Mike. 
But uh, now they've switched those. So that's, that's interesting to me a little bit. I think uh, Clayton White likes uh, that Will linebacker the spot. So then that's Debo and Mo now. He likes him to be able to pass rush a little bit, i.e. Brad Johnson. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that they flipped there. Curious to see where Van Martin Scott and Jerron Willis check in from the third team. But um, if Debo and Stone, because that's been their problem, man, uh, so it's a little scary because, you know, they, they have not always been the most disciplined during their time here uh, at Stone because he's young, Debo because he was still growing as a player. If they are, those two guys will knock you into next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I am afraid of those two guys. I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, like I'm Lindsay Twins level you, afraid of those you won't, two. You won't call him slow, will you? <laughs> anyway, let's call him slow. Yeah. So uh, I, am, I am Lindsay Twins level afraid of those guys. Right, you know, I'm like, nah, don't, don't you don't mess with them. Well, uh, and so and hopefully I, they get it done. I mean, you know, I, I would have bet it would have been Pup and Mo. I mean, honestly, this, so this is kind of a surprise to me. Well, I, I'm with you, and I, and I don't mean, and this is no disrespect at all towards Stone and Debo, and and someone will probably take it as is this guy nuts because he doesn't have his hat on today? Has he lost his mind? You know, he just got done telling everybody how wrong they were about about Stone Blanton, but then uh, the very next sentence is going to be this. Well, yeah, because it's football. Like I also, JC, would not be shocked at all to see by some time down the road, middle of the year or something like that, to where, yeah, you do have Mo Kaba and Pup Howard taking the majority of the snaps because they're just that good. Like they're that talented of football players. And that would be more a reflection of them as football players than it would be of either Stone or or Debo. So I, I, I guess what I'm getting at here, they're in the best spot they've been in a while at linebacker. Any way you kind of slice it and dice it, the guys who play, they will have earned it. Barring injury, it won't be out of necessity. It won't be out of, well, that's just the best we've got because we've seen a lot of that's just the best we've got around here at times for a while. That's not really going to be the case here. One more thing I want to point out and get you both of y'all's thoughts on this, especially Mad Dog. Um. The the offensive line. Let's say that uh, that Fugar wins that left tackle spot, and he might. You know, I don't think he'd be listed on the depth chart if he didn't have a chance to, as or. But let's say he wins it. Let's say that uh, Henry pulls it off out there at right tackle, and he might. Uh, let's and then you got Gargiulo, Moore, and Lee. You know, you're looking at about at, across the board, guys. Just kind of an FYI here. You're looking at an average of about six, five and a half, three hundred and twenty pounds for your offensive line. That would probably be the largest offensive line in the history of Gamecock football uh, overall. If those guys were this, if those guys are the starters. Um, now, comparatively speaking, you look around the rest of the SEC. Go look at Alabama's offensive line. It will let you talk about being scared. It looks like six dump trucks out there. I mean, they're all six. 350 pounds and they and they move like a safety i mean it's 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 i don't get it i don't know where they find these guys i don't understand it but they're there but this would probably be the largest offensive line in the history of gamecock football comparatively i'd be anxious to see what that looks like yeah it's only gonna get bigger too yeah because yeah yeah, these guys coming in (laughs) the ones that aren't listed are even bigger than these guys i mean look yeah i know the backups the only true freshman in there is is marquee anderson by the way i if i don't mention this i just want to throw this in i'm sorry not to interrupt y'all but i just have to mention this because of the story that just came out 
How about the fact that Nick Eman Warrior's backup at strong safety is King Dominion Ford? I was just I, sitting here looking at that. JV, that's like, the story. Yeah. That's yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. Hats off to that young man for getting his scholarship. It doesn't that's surprise me. He's a, he's six two. He's two ten. He's played well when he's been in. He's been demon on special teams. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and, Lithe, you know, Lithewood. Remember, BJ Gibson was the backup last year as a as a as a uh, walk on. They don't care that the, the Tory and Gray doesn't. No, there, yeah, there's yeah. no discrimination. I mean, he's just gonna be. Oh well, you're the best one. You're playing. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. And you know, Peyton. Time for Peyton Williams and at um, uh, all. BJ Gibson and those guys to step it up, man. Got to get back out there and uh, earn your spot back from the from the former walk on King Demarion Ford. But certainly a uh, certainly happy for him. Uh, look forward to seeing him play. Hey, out of curiosity, this out on a Monday it gives the staff like are, are they are they sent? I mean, because you know me. I mean, my thought is anytime you know from this point forward through the season, anytime the coaching staff, especially Shane Beamer, says anything publicly, it's not necessarily for our ears. It's for the team. Does that ref, is that reflected here no. in this depth chart? Like, I I, I think. Know, that- hey, I think it's just because it's the first week of the year. That's the only reason it's out on Monday. They have to send it out, too. I mean, it's a – Well, not necessarily when we get it, but, like, the names enlisted in the oars. The the oars could be sending a message, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've heard of that before. I think Mm -hmm. last year they did it. I I can't remember who they did it to, but they – they didn't put somebody to, on the depth chart. Right? And they're starting to do that in the NFL now, too. Somebody I saw on national TV not long ago was like, where did this or crap come from? And they're like, do you not watch college football? It's everywhere. Um, yeah. By the way, six – Shane has mentioned this a few times, so I figured I'd add it up. Not not just freshmen in general. Six true freshmen are on the two deep. Two on the offense, four on the defense. Yeah. We were told. Uh, hey, this looks exactly like he's been, he's been talking it. <laughs> Forecast Saturday, sunny, high of 82, low of 58. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Be beautiful tailgating weather, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it, uh, right after Hurricane uh, Idalia blows right through here this week. So, wonderful. You usually have that 48-hour period after it's gone where it's nice. You know, you get the just, high in there, no, no, no rain. I just hope it doesn't mess with my flight Wednesday night. Well, it probably will. It probably will. Probably will. More than likely. I'd try to get out of there earlier if you can. See if you can change your flight. Mm, nah, no chance. Gotta deal with it. I'll be getting the, I'll be getting the, I'll be getting in the Hertz line saying, ah, I'm just gonna get in get in my car and uh drive across West Virginia with my there you go. with my fiance and uh, gotta get to Charlotte by uh that next night to give us a little speech. So that'll be, uh, that'll be something else, but um, it is game week on inside the game. Cox, the show finally North Carolina and South Carolina has gotten here. Oh, and not a moment. I'm happy. Yeah. It's uh it's take it's feel like it feels like it's taken forever. Thanks to John Whittle and Pat DeMarco. I guess JC decided he was gonna peace out of here a little early today. It's gonna it's gotta get in mid season form here with this disco. Uh, does he not understand? <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> the internet shuts off in the People's Republic of uh, Illinois. I guess so. Noon Central every time. <laughs> I guess so. As JC pointed out, uh, Saturday looks just fantastic. 82 degrees in Charlotte, North Carolina. Not a chance of rain. Thanks to Pat and John for joining us. Tomorrow's Tuesday. And that means we'll be joined by Hale McGranahan and Power Hour with Mike Morgan here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And we'll continue to lead right up until kickoff on Saturday. Look forward to meeting so many of you as well. Thanks to the team at Britons in Columbia, BritonsofColumbia.com for supplying our staff with elite merchandise. Bill and I both have the cocky shirts on today. You can get these and so much more. Get a suit fitted for football season at Britons in Columbia, South Carolina, 803-771-2700, and they'll ship it to your front door. No shipping fees charged. For JC and Mad Dog, I'm JB. We are built by the Barndo Co. and always live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks. We'll see you tomorrow on Inside the Gamecocks, the part of the Chief Sports Network.